So we are going to have our prayer time tonight, but tonight's message actually deals with the topic of prayer. And so I wanted to, you know, again, we have an order of service, but switching it up actually is good once in a while. We don't need to become liturgical and to the point of, you know, everything, you know when to stand, sit, and everything else. You know what I'm saying? We're going to sing three songs. Maybe we'll sing four songs. Maybe we'll sing two. Variety is good. Maybe we'll change the song and you won't even be able to sing what's in, you know. Because, yes, while we are here to worship God and we should take it serious, it should never become ritualistic. It should always be a time where our heart is stirred and our heart, and we are reminded that we're here to worship a holy God. So would you take your Bibles, please, tonight and turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And I've entitled tonight's message, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. That's a real original title when I read this for you, because you're going to see that in the passage. But what a statement made by the disciples of Jesus As they saw him praying, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. It's not teach us how to pray, not teach us why we should pray, but just teach us to pray. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us us our sins, for for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, we probably all know Matthew's account of that prayer much better. Right, Because people have now labeled it the Lord's Prayer and then recite it all the time. Now, Jesus did say, when you pray, say, and then he gives these words. Is, did he say, though, was he saying that we should quote those exact words in our prayer? The answer is no. He was given a model for us how to pray. As a matter of fact, I can say that very dogmatically because one of the things we're going to look at tonight, Jesus condemns repetitious or vain repeating, just just praying the same words over and over again, which kind of also goes against Roman Catholicism. Go say 12 Hail Marys. Well, why should I go say the same prayer over and over and over again, right? Verse 5, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in this journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. For he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son ask bread of any of you that is a father, will ye give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will ye, will ye for a fish give him a serpent? If he ask for an egg, will ye give him a scorpion? 
If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So I want us to look at this this way. First, we're going to examine the um, example of prayer. Okay, the example of prayer. Secondly, we'll notice the model prayer. Then our third point is going to be the importunate prayer. How do you spell that? Importunate. Importunate. I-M-P-O-R-T-U-N-A-T-E. And I'll explain what that is. And then lastly, answer to prayer. You and I need to learn to pray. So let's look to the Lord for guidance. Father, again, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you again for this evening. And Lord, teach us to pray. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. The example of prayer. What do we see here? And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, once you stop and think about this, Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He's the Son of God on earth. And yet we find over and over and over again him praying. And his disciples see this pattern in the life of Christ of him praying and praying and praying. We see him at one point praying all night. We see him praying before he makes major decisions. You know, before he chose his disciples, the Bible tells us he prayed all night. That's a pretty major decision, choosing those disciples, right? Now, he's God. He knew who they are, yet he as a man was choosing them. You say, how does that work? I don't know. But I do know this. It was an important enough decision that he spent all night praying about it. We see him praying in the garden when he was in distress, don't we? Over and over and over again. When, when Christ sent the disciples into the storm, where did he go? He went to pray. Over and over again. Do people find you praying? You know, when you're praying, do you stop what you're doing? Oh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing anything. Why are you embarrassed about it? If somebody walks in the room, you're talking to God. It's okay. Just keep going. You know, it's okay, men, if your wife catches you praying. It's okay if your children catch you praying. It's actually a good thing because it shows you're setting the example of one in prayer, just as our Savior did set the example of prayer. Now, I mentioned the parallel passage to this, so since that's where we're used to, let's take and turn back to Matthew chapter 6 for just a moment, please. We're going to look at some principles from both of these. Hold your place in Luke 11. We will be back. Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6, Jesus says, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, stand in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But, be, but thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So don't pray as a hypocrite. Don't be one who has to try to, I'm going to be over here praying now. Now, also, don't do this one. When, when you go to the restaurant, don't do the brow rub prayer. You know, Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. You know, okay. Be willing to pray in public, okay? But don't do it for show. The Pharisees, when they went to pray, made sure everybody knew, I'm over here to pray. You all want to come hear me pray. So do not pray as the hypocrites. And then verses 7 and 8, don't use vain repetition. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they should be heard for their much speaking. 
Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And we've talked about this many times. Even using the name of God, many times when people are praying, you know, Chris, it's good to have you back. I'm going to pick on you. I don't, when I'm talking to Chris, I don't say, Chris, it's good to see you tonight, Chris. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Chris, how was your trip on the boat? Was it good on the boat, Chris? Chris, you know, I, I really can imagine how long that was and being apart from Chris, your, your, your wife and everything, Chris, you know. I mean, Chris, right? And he looked at me like, are you retarded? <laughs> he looks at me that way sometimes. Anyhow, but I mean, he would have legitimate reason to look at me, right? Then why, when we talk to God, do we have to God, when I'm, uh, as I'm praying to you, God, I have to tell you, know, he knows who he is. You don't have to keep reminding him. And as I said before, that really, in my opinion, borderlines using his name in vain, because you're not even thinking about using his name. Or maybe it crosses the line. And I know, I'll tell you one thing, I don't want to cross the line, so how about we stop doing it? But let's go... Now back to Luke 11. So the disciple comes and says, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, when ye pray, say, our Father. So that's the direction of our prayer. We're praying to God the Father. Now that's quite a privilege to be able to call him Father. And let's not take that lightly, that when we pray, who are we addressing? God Almighty. The creator of this universe. But it shows our relationship to him. We can come to him as father. Our father, which art in heaven. Again, that reminds me how big God is. But yet, the fact that I just called him father shows me how personal he is. Our father, which art in heaven the all-powerful God, the God who reigns heaven, and earth is just his footstool. Hallowed be thy name. Or as the little boy said, how did you know my name? That's a good question to ask. But hallowed be thy name has the idea of separated or holy. Do we stop and reflect on the attributes of God and worship him? Stop and adore the one you're addressing. Just take some time to say, God, you're amazing. You're wonderful. You're so good to me. You're so gracious. What's wrong before we just start throwing off our, our list and treating like God like a genie in a bottle just to stop and adore him for a little bit? Thy kingdom come. I am praying for the time when Christ will return. Now, Yes, we'll be raptured out of here. There'll be a time of tribulation, and then he's going to come and set up a kingdom. Aren't you, aren't you glad that this is, as I said many times, the worst it gets for us as Christians? It gets better from here. But that also should remind me, I have a responsibility to be sharing the gospel while I have time. Thy will be done. Now, I want you to think about this. The Son submitted to the will of the Father when he was here on earth. Not my will, but thine be done. How much more then should you and I be submitting to the will of God in all areas of life? As in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. We call this part supplication. Now, we may pray this part, but we as 21st century Americans don't understand this part. 
Because many in the time when Christ is speaking these words had enough food for today. Not a full pantry full of food and a refrigerator half full of food and go look at it and say, there's nothing in this house to eat. We are truly a spoiled people. We have no idea what it is to live day by day saying, give us this day our daily bread. But I am glad of one thing. God has promised to meet all my needs and he will provide for me. Now, I believe in the last several months, this is becoming more reality to folks who have never worried about spending in the past. In this aspect, the inflation is good and that is teaching Christians, God will provide. And then he continues, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Confessing sins. I am glad 1 John 1.9 is still in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But forgive us, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. We forgive. Why? Because Christ forgiven us. Then part of our prayer should be asking for direction. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our sinful nature will still crave to be satisfied. And we need to ask God for his direction and protection from temptation. Here's the thing. I know folks who's come to me for counseling in whatever the area of temptation is, whether it be, well, we could list a whole bunch of sins, but we don't need to, okay? But whatever the temptation is, instead of investing time praying and in God's word and in setting up some type of an accountability and setting up some way to protect themselves, they keep doing the same thing and expect things to change. You're going to have to make changes. And then Matthew chapter 6, again in the one that you're familiar with, verse 9, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. On, done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Again, having a thankful heart and praise to God for he is worthy. He has the power. Do you believe that? And then we end... It says, Amen. But we say, in Jesus' name. Now, where do we get that idea? Jesus said, you cannot come to the Father but through me, right? We understand that I, in my own righteousness, which is as filthy rags, have no access to God. Romans chapter 5 makes it crystal clear. The access I have to the Father is through the Son. Therefore, in Jesus' name, not in my name, but in your Son's name, who has, is my Savior, Amen. The Greek, amen, verily is, is another translation of it, or truly, or indeed, or the idea of this is true, truly, truly. Now, that's not the end of the passage. He gives this model prayer, and then he talks about importunate prayer. He says, which of you having a friend should go to him at midnight and say to his friend, lend me, five, or lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come uh, to me and I have nothing to set before him. So, again, 
Not necessarily a lack of preparation, but we're talking people who really don't have anything. So here I am, I'm at home, and all of a sudden, my friend who got stuck in traffic, got stuck in the airport, got stuck everywhere, he finally shows up, and he hasn't eaten. And I have nothing to feed him. So I go next door, and for this illustration, I live next door to Charlie, and I knock on his door. That's basically what he says. <laughs> but Charlie, I have a friend who just got here, and he's hungry, and I don't have anything to set before him. And Charlie's like, go away. Charlie, I don't have anything put before this guy. Now, if I had it and you were asking me, you know I'd give it to you. He's like, look, everybody's in bed. You're waking up the whole neighborhood. Would you just be quiet? Would you just go away? Tell them to suck it up, and we'll get them breakfast in the morning. Charlie, I need you to get out of bed. But I would keep knocking and keep knocking. Eventually, Charlie's going to be like, you know what? He's not going away. And as much as I don't want to do this, I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to give him something so he can take it to his friend because he's not going to quit. That is called importunity. Don't quit. Now, isn't it interesting? This is commanded to us to keep on asking. Keep on seeking. That is the tense in the Greek. And that, if you, the, the present tense has the idea of a continuous action. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep on knocking. It's not just once and done. All right, Charlie said, no, I'm going home. No, I'm going to keep going because I know he has what I need on the other side of that door, and I'm not going to quit until he gets up and gives it to me. Now, I find that interesting that that is how God says we are to pray. You ever think of that? You ever think, why? I asked once. Why should I have to keep on asking? Why should I have to keep on seeking? Why should I have to keep on knocking? I'll tell you one reason. Now remember, God doesn't need new information, right? But it shows us, am I really serious about it? That's one reason. Am I really that serious about it? When I pray for a lost loved one, am I praying and praying and praying? I know God wants them saved. You know how I know that? He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But I also know he's not going to force a man against his will. But I do also know this. The Holy Spirit of God can convict him. And I can ask God, God, convict him with such pressure that they can't sleep at night, that they're absolutely miserable. And you say, well, that's unkind. I'll tell you what, I'd rather be miserable in this life than in the next. Wouldn't you? And then I ask God again, and I ask again, and I ask again, and I ask again, and I ask again. You know why? Because they're still not saved yet. So I keep on asking, I keep on asking, and I keep on asking, 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 I keep on asking. Am I getting irritating yet? You say, that doesn't make sense. Why would God want us to do that? Because sometimes we pray five times and think, oh, well, I tried. We pray 20 times and think, I'm done. How serious are we? You know, as I was knocking, Charlie didn't get up because he's my friend. Matter of fact, he was griping the whole time he's giving me that meal. No, he wasn't. He's happy to do it. 
He's not doing it because he's my friend, but verse 8, yet because of his importunity, he will rise up and give him as many as he needeth. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, God is not saying, ask for whatever you wish, and I'm just the genie in the bottle going to give you whatever you want. So ask for that brand new car, and boom, there it is. Or ask for that boat, become boom, there. No, that's not what we're talking about. Because we already discussed in the model prayer, asking what? According to his will. And if we're walking in his will, we can ask according to his will. But when we're walking in the flesh, we're going to ask according to the flesh and then wonder why he didn't answer. Well, you know, sometimes you don't need what you're asking for. Sometimes it's not the best thing for you to have. Which brings us then to the last point, 11 through 12. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? Your son comes up to you and says, Dad, can I have a piece of bread? Here, have a rock. Chew on that. That'll fill you up. Or if you ask a fish, you give him a serpent? Dad, can I have a fish? Got to go fishing with Rich last week. We caught, we kept 14 Spanish mackerel and threw about that many back. We had on the boat at one point two blues, and I won't tell you that story, but we ended up home with one. So if my kids were to ask me for a fish, I'm not going to go grab a snake and say, here, eat this instead. I know some people who eat it, but I wouldn't. Or if you ask an egg, you give him a scorpion. Well, that's a real good dad. And obviously, these are rhetorical questions. Everybody's probably looking, no, of course not. Of course I wouldn't do that to my child. Verse 13, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Wow. Now, I know that when I was born again, when I became a child of God, I got all the Holy Spirit. But the question is, Pastor Ogle said again this weekend, how much of me does he have? How much am I yielded to him? But understand, as I'm asking God, as James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God to giveth all men liberally and abradeth not. God, I can't figure this out. I don't know the right way to go. I don't know the answer to this. But I know you have all wisdom, all knowledge. And I'm praying your Holy Spirit will guide me and give me the wisdom I need. God, I'm in this situation. I don't know how to handle it. By the way, there have been times when people have come to me for counseling, and it's such a convoluted, complex mess that as they're telling me their story, I kind of tune them out a little bit, and I'm just like, God, help me. I have no idea what to say next. And just have them keep talking until you show me what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You ever felt that way? And by the way, there have been times when I'm like, let's take a little time and pray about that. That's okay. Because I'd rather have his wisdom in the matter, wouldn't you? If we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more, how much more is God wanting to bestow on us? Now, we do need to remember, sometimes the answer is no. Paul asked three times to have a thorn in the flesh removed from him, and the answer came back, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, 
I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes the best answer is no. Have you ever had in the past a no answer from God and then you live long enough to actually thank him for it and say, wow, that really would have been a mess if you had said yes back then. Or sometimes the answer is not now because his timing is always perfect. But then there's the other times it's almost as if he says, I've been waiting for that, and the, and the dump truck backs up, and the blessings just start pouring out. I've been waiting. All I've been waiting is for you to ask. You ever felt that way? Then you feel a little, like, at least I do. I feel a little bit dumb. I'm like, why didn't I ask sooner? It's like a friend of mine said when he was preparing a message, he went to all the commentaries, and it's one of those passages every commentary skipped because it was a hard passage. So he called all his preacher friends up and said, what do you do with this passage? They're like, I don't know. Because they were turning to the commentaries and the commentary didn't have anything. He said, so I had this novel idea. He says, I got on my face before God, had my Bible open. And he says, I'm just, I'm lying there. And I say, God, you are the author of this book and you indwell me. Teach me what this passage means. He says, I got off my knees got off my face, and he says, it's like a light bulb just went on. And I thought about that, and I'm like, well, duh. But how often do we do the exact same thing? You know, I've seen people who have needs. When you look at, it is said of Mueller, he never told men the needs he had to take care of those orphans. It's also said that one morning he, he got up, had all the kids sitting there at the table and, and thanked the Lord for the breakfast they're about to partake. There's no food in front of them because there was none in the house. And as soon as he was done praying, a knock at the door. And I think the first thing was a milk truck that had broken down. And I forget what else had broken down, but they had to end up getting a whole meal. Bakery delivery truck broke down and he got a whole meal for these kids and never told a man about it. But here's what I see today. We take out our phone. We go to Facebook. I have this need, and I'm asking all you to pray about it. Oh, brother, you have that need? I can help with that. Oh, look, God answered. Now, I'm not saying God can't answer that way, but let me tell you something. When we follow the pattern of Scripture and pray in our closet and God rewards openly, there's something miraculous about that, and I've seen that in my life. And let me tell you something. There's no other explanation but God. And that's when it's exciting. I remember the first time I told my family when we were in college, I worked at Walmart, okay? I was a, I worked sporting goods at Walmart. So I made barely above minimum wage, okay? Trying to feed a family of four and going to college, as you probably can imagine, we didn't have a whole lot of money. We had a need. And I think it was like five, $600, which to us at that time was huge. And I told my children, I said, look, I don't want you to share this with anybody. I said, but we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to meet this need. And we prayed and we prayed. And then one day I got a check in the mail. It said, thinking of you, praying for you. And it was a check for the exact amount. I still don't know to this day and don't care who sent it. I know God laid it on somebody's heart. And I remember this. I showed it to my kids, and Joshua said, Daddy, nobody knew. That had to come from God. I was like, hallelujah. He saw it. 
Lord, teach us to pray. Not a vain, repetitious prayer, a model for us to come before our Father. But let's not grow weary and well-doing. Don't quit in prayer. Keep going. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Our desire should be as the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray.